Before we get into the show and introduce today's guest, I would just like to thank United Medical Credit for being sponsors of this podcast and of the Business of Dentistry. As a matter of fact, they have a special offer for Business of Dentistry members, 0% merchant fees for the rest of the year, and 30% discount for life after that. You can get that special deal by either going to DocOffInvestments.com and clicking on the deal section, or by going directly to www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD. Thanks again, UMC. Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffer coming to you again from my studio here in Alvin, Texas. Uh, today I am joined by a good friend of mine, Dr. Alan Stern, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it is that he does for dentists and, um, and a little bit about his book that just came out, or his most recent book, I should say. Alan, how the heck are you today? I am doing good. Actually, uh, just a warning for our, all our colleagues. I just had my booster and uh, it was 24 hours of, shall we say, um, non-optimal living conditions. But uh, luckily, I have a wife who's very understanding and um, a bed that's soft and comfortable. And um, I'm about 90% now. So um, I'm doing good. O overall, the big picture is wonderful. And uh, despite all the stresses, you know, I told you this when we met uh, uh, last month, show me a person without stress and I'll show you a cadaver, right? Absolutely. So life has its stresses, but man, the big picture is really, really good. Thank you, Doc. And you, you doing okay? Doing great. I'll tell you what, I know exactly what you're talking about, though. When I got COVID uh, back in um, January of 2020, it was the worst two weeks of my life. Uh, I, yeah. I just wanted to die. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'm there with you. I, I completely understand. So, so you got it early on in I the... Did. I got it before it was cool, you know? So are, no, you're a trendsetter, Doc. That's it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I want to, uh, to be responsible for setting that trend. So, talk to me a little bit about uh, this new book. You, um, you, you've got, I believe, a couple of books out, but this is your most recent. Is that correct? This, this is my book. Okay. And okay. we'll screen share for just a moment. Uh, it's called Enjoy the Ride. And, you know, what... What I've discovered, Doc, um, we are, as dentists, we're a very weird species because we're highly competitive, right? We gotta, we're constantly looking over our shoulders to see that we have grades that are good enough to get into school. Then we get into school and we still have that habit. Oh man, Hoffpower got something done in 15 minutes that took me an hour and a half. Oh my God, I'm no good. And in dental school also, if it's not perfect, you know what happens to us, oh, and and we get this stuff. Begin. Yeah, and some of us, not all of us, but some of us carry that nonsense with us into our careers. And for a good part of my adult life, I had that until I had one of those aha moments, and I realized that my life as a dentist is pretty darn good, despite all the nonsense. So I decided to put some of my thoughts into that book and really get it out there for the dental world to see. And frankly, it's, it's for the whole world, but the dental world is what I do know the best. Absolutely. We live good. I don't care 
if you're making half the money that Doc Huffpower or Alan Stern makes, whatever that number you think it is, or if you're making three times that number, whatever you think it is, you're making more money and living better than 90 to 95% of the world could imagine. I get over I completely, it. Completely agree with you. So get the heck what, over it. What was what was that epiphany moment? What was that kind of that straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak? What what pushed it, you in this direction? It really did. It really did break the camel's back, Doc, because we leveraged ourselves on a home. And we were living above our means because, hell, a dentist is supposed to live in a big house, drive a big car, and have all kinds of fancy creature comforts, right? But the problem was that it was, for me and my level, and also living in New Jersey, which is an incredibly high cost of living state, I was overextended. And when the bubble burst in 2008, uh uh-oh. And in my 50s, my, my wife and I in our 50s were living paycheck to paycheck. And um, Not a very, f- yeah, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's tough. And very fortunately, uh, oh, the other thing I did, the other thing that happened was all of the advice that I got from advisors who were not the right advisors for me, mm-hmm. that left me with a pile of debt up to my eyeballs. And very luckily, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, Doc. So the right people came along in my life. And uh, somebody had the audacity to tell me, sell your house, Alan. Say what? My house, my ego, my status? Mm -hmm. Me? 30-year dentist? I did. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was a rock-bottom moment for me, which, again, think of what other people talk about with rock-bottom. We have alcoholics, we have drug addicts, we have all kinds. Of, and that was my rock bottom. <laughs> I'm lucky. Absolutely. So I sold the house, took the financial pressure off of me. My wife and I, Fran and I, we, we go to Vegas a couple of times a year when we want. We have personal trainers and nutritionists when we want. We got great friends. We have two wonderful kids. And at that rock bottom or so-called rock bottom moment, I realized life is pretty darn good. Absolutely. And I paid down my debt. My debt's done, man. And now there's a lot of folks out on Facebook. And, uh, you know, my philosophy is very similar to yours. It's something that we we talk about in Florida. Uh, You know, people see that I drive an old FJ Cruiser and they they laugh and they shake their heads. I do that because I want my money in the bank so that I can not have to work every day. You know? Yeah. I, I, I've never been one for keeping up with the Joneses. My, my only competition is me and mm-hmm. the goals that I set for myself. And I, I think that's a much healthier, and don't get me wrong, I still have my own problems. I mean, I think we all do. But I exactly. think that the healthiest competition that you can have is yourself. Yourself yesterday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The, the, and unfortunately, you know, you, and props to you, Doc, because you got it together very, very nicely in terms of your professional career, your professional vision. Um, But some of us don't. And this and my and I didn't. And I am so blessed at this point in my life to have gotten it together in time, to have sucked it up, did what I had to do. And here's the big one, regained my level of happiness. You know, the, the Constitution of the United States, 
it guarantees us three unalienable rights, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of a Tesla. No, 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 wait a minute, no. The pursuit of a big house, no. The pursuit of happiness. So, Alan, yeah. tell me, what was that feeling like? Because I know what it was like for me whenever I, I partnered with MB2 uh, in my first practice, and I paid off mm -hmm. all of my debt. You know, I had zero pennies of debt. My wife partnered with a, a veterinary organization that's similar to MB2, and for the first time since I had become a practice owner, I mean, this was kind of my plan all along, but for the first time since I had become a practice owner, I could take a step back and take a breath and think, I don't have any more bills ever again in my life. And that feeling for me, it was absolute elation. Uh, you know, I felt happier and more at peace than I had in years. You know, as much yeah. as I enjoyed the struggles of practice life, because it becomes a game. I think anything that is stressful that you have to get through every day, you have to kind of trick yourself into liking it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. so I would, I would push forward every single day was a challenge, you know, and, but man, not having that pressure on you for the first time in your life, being able to take a step back and feeling that weight lift off of your shoulders yeah. was for me, it was, it was almost like a, a religious state. I, I all of a sudden started thinking intentionally about the other things I've had in life. You know, yeah. what, what did I want my family life to be? Not, hey, what number do I want to hit next month? Or what do I have to hit this year? Or where are my expansion plans? But what am I going to do with my kids? What, what things do I want to make sure that they get to see that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives? It changes you. It just, it changes your whole outlook. Uh, it it really yeah, it, does, it puts everything into perspective. And, you know, Doc, a lot of our colleagues at this point, especially our younger colleagues, are looking at some student debt. Absolutely. And, it's, and that's putting it mildly. But you know what? It's, it's surmountable. It's absolutely, whether, whether you choose to partner with an organization like MB2 or whether you choose the struggle, Number one, make sure you're in your sweet spot, your own, nobody, there's only one you and one me. Thank Absolutely. God there's only one me, right? But every individual has their own sweet spot. And what you really need to do is understand yourself well enough to know what your sweet spot is. But critically, more importantly, if you are burdened by debt, that's the 800 pound gorilla in the room, live below your means Absolutely. drive the beat up old F-150. My wife drives an 03 Camry. Yep. Um, I got the, I kept the Lexus from the old days, but don't tell anybody, <laughs> but I'll keep that sucker till it's, till it's in the grave. Um, you, you think about it, you know, look at Ross Perot. He drove around in a beat up old Buick and the guy was mm -hmm. like a billionaire. <laughs> so there's, did you read uh, The Richest Man in Babylon? I have. I absolutely have. That's, that's the Bible. That's the one that we dentists oftentimes ignore. And we oftentimes think that because we're dentists and because we've come this far in life that we deserve it. Well, we deserve a lot of things, but sometimes life is not fair. And sometimes, although we do have equal opportunity in this country, we can argue that politically, but by and large, we have equal opportunity in this country. We don't have a guarantee to equal results.
Absolutely. And we have to live in reality. And the reality is when you live below your means, you come home as you and I do now with a certain degree of self-assuredness, a certain focus on what's really important in life, our kids, our families, our spouses, our friends, our faith when, when, when appropriate, and our fun. You know, Keep your fun meter on the max while you live below your means. Yeah, Alan, there's, there's something that I remember very specifically after, you know, after I'd gotten into that situation, after I, you know, put myself in that position because I, I worked toward it. I remember the first time I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was telling me that his practice had hit 2.5 before my brain would have been thinking about, how can I get there? And I, it would have been almost a state of envy, a state of jealousy, but a state of self-criticism and a feeling of failure because I wasn't mm-hmm. there. And you, you get into that mindset and, and that's how, by and large, we grow our practices because we, we look around, we're like, I can do it because that guy did it or whatever. Or, you know, we need those, those signposts, those goalposts, right? But being able to talk to somebody about how successful their practice was and all I felt was pride in them was amazing. Just to be able to feel that way toward another human being's success, it makes you realize how jaded and how ugly those feelings are that we put yeah. ourselves through and they're pointed at us, you know, they're yeah. it's self-degradation. Comparison syndrome is poison. Yeah. It's really poison. Um, you, if your sweet spot is partner with MB2, if your sweet spot is running this business of dentistry, which is a wonderful place to be, oh, if you. your sweet spot is running the Dear Doc podcast, does it really matter above a certain income level what you're making, what your material uh, possessions are? Above a certain level, it just doesn't matter. And, you know, where am I today? I'm home. What's it t- Wait a minute, today's Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I was able to hire an associate to come into my office. So I'm, I'm, I'm practicing clinical dentistry three days a week. Am I inadequate compared to my friend who's working four days a week and doing like four mil? Um, God love him. Right. God love him. He's a great guy. He's a very good dentist. He's content. Great. I couldn't possibly, I don't have the stomach lining to do that. I don't want that kind of pressure. That's not me. So it's a matter of who you are. And once you figure out who you are, then you can set your benchmarks. Then you could set your goals. But the number one goal has got to be what makes me happy. Absolutely. Without that, you could have a bank account that's bursting. Mm -hmm. Now, I've bought a lot of things over the years and I've spent a whole lot of money. But no matter how much money I ever had, I could never seem to find anyone willing to part with some of their time and trade for it. Yeah. You can't buy that. That's right. You can't buy time and you can't buy health. And, uh, and the Beatles said, money can't buy me love. That's it. And what is more important than that? 
It starts with self-love, by the way. Absolutely. But what is more important than those things? You know, our profession before COVID, uh, and I discussed this with Frank King on on, uh, Better, Richer, Stronger. We did a mental health thing. But we are fraught with depression and suicide. I have seen too much of that in my 40-year career. And, you know, the death of a friend of mine, a beautiful, gorgeous Andrea Bierman uh, from Kansas, um, 34 years old, charismatic, brilliant, gorgeous, everything. You know, a- Andrea was a kind of woman when she walked into a room, I could be talking to you. She'd walk into the room. I said, Doc, I'll see you later. I got to do- go do something. I want to hear what Andrea had to say. She took her own life at age 34. That has got to stop. Not only has that got to stop, but we got to get focused on happiness, love, health, and time. Those are the things we got to get focused on. Everything else flows into place. I'm happy. You're happy. You know, Yeah. I I think, and and I'm going to get into, I'm going to get you to share some of the insights from your book here in, in a couple of minutes, but um, you're talking about Mr. King. I'm actually going to have him on the podcast here uh, pretty soon to talk about suicide and what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's the funniest man I've ever heard talk about suicide. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He can, he can certainly make a, a very dark subject uh, humorous. Yes. But you're, you're right there. Uh, I think the root of all of this and you mentioned dental school and the way that it trains us. And it's this self-perpetuating cycle that every single year, the same things happen to the same people. And then whenever you get a new instructor in, well, they just do the same things to the students that yeah. the old instructor did. And it, it, it does have to stop. But I think yeah. in a large way, we end up doing this to ourselves because we forget our why. You know, yes. waking up and realizing and remembering and you talked about the podcast and talked about the business of dentistry. The whole reason I started this stuff was to help dentists because I got into dentistry because I felt like dentistry owed me or I owed dentistry a life. I almost died from a dental infection. It's why I became a dentist. And I lost sight of that whenever I was just pushing to grow my practice. You know, yeah. the funny thing is, is when you let that go and when you're in a different place, you're able to see different opportunities. I own two practices now got amazing associates in each practice. I work very little or not at all. And that's okay for me because I finally realized I was okay not being the one doing the work. And that was a huge thing for me. And I don't know mm-hmm. where that hang up comes from, but that inability to give other people control or that, or that judgment that no one can possibly be as good of a dentist to your patients as you can right? That yep. seems to be a real common concept as well that keeps people from growing in the correct direction in their practice. It keeps them holding all that burden on their own shoulders. You know, yeah. they're, not, yep. they're not able to offload any of that to anyone. So talk to me a little yeah. bit about you bringing on this associate, and then I want you to get into some of the take-home messages from your book. Okay, so um, I didn't get to uh, my little um, remarkable just turned off. So I, I was just going to jot down some notes. So direct me if I start rambling, because I can do that. Fantastic. Who are in your clinical days, who were the most difficult patients to work with? Doctors, nurses, chiropractors, 
sometimes other dentists. Why? Because we are in control. We lay that patient out or the doctor and the nurse, the anesthesiologist, all those people, we lay them out. They're vulnerable. We're in charge. We take control. All of a sudden as patients, <laughs> we lose control. So we as dentists have a thing about control and about micromanagement that translates into our associates, right? It translates into the people we work with. And I know you've made those mistakes. I've made those mistakes. Everybody listening to us has made those mistakes. Hey, assistant, don't do it that way. What are you doing? I want this room. No, I want that room or this instrument, that instrument. You didn't do this right. Take a deep breath. I had one of those Take days yesterday. It's very rare for me these days, but I walked in, I saw something that wasn't done. And so I started looking for problems. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? And so yeah. Oh yeah. Three or four, three or four things that meant they weren't following my systems. I hadn't been there in two weeks. Right. So they're doing yeah. what the new doc wants. And so I walked in, I was like, why is that there? Why didn't you do this? And then I stopped myself and I looked at the man. I said, guys, I love you. I am so sorry. I just treated you like crap and you don't deserve that. Can I start over? And they gave yeah. up, they came up, they gave me a big hug. Hey, are you okay today? I said, no, I'm not. I'm obviously a little grumpy and uh, I need, I need to, to do that over because uh, that, that's not who, who I want to be, and particularly to you guys. And yep. we, they love that. Yep. I love when you apologize, by the way. So if you do that. Yeah, that, that, that's because you, you come in as a legitimate you. Yeah. And if you come in as real, it was a great book, um, Humble Inquiry by Edgar Schein. I don't know if you're familiar, but humility is something that we're not polished up in. And there are three types of humility, but uh, one is, hey, doc, nice to meet you. Uh, second type of humility, Doc Hoffpower, the great Doc Hoffpower. I'm so honored to be in your presence today. But the third type of humility is here and now humility. And we have to realize that we need that assistant, that hygienist, that admin, that patient, the associate, every bit as much as they need us. And when you realize that, that we are an interdependent, we are not independent, we are interdependent. So I know Dr. Erica is in my office today. I know my crew is in there. And I know I don't have to watch over her shoulder. She's a competent dentist. What else do I want? And she, and she matches the traits that will succeed in my office. Hey guys, now a quick word about our sponsor. I'm really excited to announce that we've partnered with United Medical Credit to offer an exclusive deal just to TBOD members. Now, United Medical Credit is a patient financing provider with unique waterfall lending process. It allows them to approve a much wider range of applicants. In fact, the widest range of applicants in the entire field. I've been using United Medical Credit in my practice for a couple of years now, and I'm seeing great results. They really speak for themselves. I see at least 30% increase in the number of patients who are actually approved whenever going through UMC. And the best part is patients are accepting treatment. More acceptance, more patience means more revenue. Right now, they're offering TVOD members a special discount of 0% merchant fees until the end of the year. That's right, until the end of 2021, you get 0% merchant fees charged. And they're gonna give you a 30% discount for life after that. 
Now, if you want to claim this offer for your practice, go to www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD. Or as always, you can go to Dockoff Investments, click on the deal section, look up UMC, and register. Thanks a lot, guys. And UMC, thanks for sponsoring. My office is a house of love and a house of caring. I, and this is not for everybody, mind you. I don't have very many patients, Doc. I have friends. Mm-hmm. That's how, and my, I have a small, high-touch practice. That's me. So in terms of you got to hire right, and if you hire right and you fill your emotional bank account as you did with your team so that when you screw up, you can come in and humbly apologize and make it up if that... Um, I think Stephen Covey talked about the emotional bank account. If you're a tyrant and you screw up and you try to apologize, that's not going to get you very far. Right. But if you're kind, humble, vulnerable, real, if you screw up, they'll know. And the last couple of days in my morning, uh, morning huddle, um, I've been going through a little bit of personal stress, no big deal, but there are things on my mind right now. And I, I told, I told them, watch me. If I stumble, you come to me. And yesterday morning in the office, I was feeling awful the morning after that shot, my booster shot. And I told them, if you see me stumbling, let me know. I left at noon, but I, they watch for me and I watch out for them. It's how we do it. We're real. So if you are the real Doc Hoffbauer, if you're the real Alan coming into the office at all times, there's you don't have to pretend to be anything other than a good healer. I, I like to tell people that I'm not a smart man. I'm certainly not smart enough to remember who I'm supposed to be with a certain mm-hmm. person. So I just try to be the same person with everybody. It's the same thing as we do with our patients, Doc. They'll come in, they'll apologize for not flossing. They'll apologize that they got a cavity. They'll apologize that they're coming in as a new patient. They're ashamed that their teeth look like garbage. And you know, so often they cover their mouths like this. And the line that I have is, you're not perfect. Get over it. I'm here to help you. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm not perfect either. Get over it. So, yeah. Um, micromanagement is, is a terrible thing. And, you know, Doc, we are used to, we have to micromanage every millimeter of our, of our preps, yep. every micron of our margins, uh, our occlusal contacts, our vertical dimension, and all of the other little petty, seemingly petty complaints that patients come in with. And we have to micromanage that, but we got to get out of that mode when we start dealing with human beings. You know what this is right here? No, I can't see it. This is the way I control my, uh, my computer. It's my keyboard. Oh, okay. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm trying to exert my control over this machine, it doesn't do what I want it to do. And I get frustrated, but I have to realize that this right here by itself, this means of me exerting control, mm-hmm. is not what does the work. That's right. And it's not what makes these fancy programs run, and it's not what does anything without the rest of these parts. And our office yes. is very, very similar. Um, we are not alone on an island. We, we're part of a very intricate machine. And all of these moving parts, sure, we've got our systems and things like that that we use to exert our control on the machine. 
but without the hard drive and without the RAM in there and without the motherboard and you know, the CPU and what have you, that, that computer doesn't do anything without this keyboard. And this keyboard right. doesn't do anything without the, without the computer. And I, I think we, right. we need to realize our part in things and that we're not the all important thing that runs the show. We're simply another piece of the machine. Yes. And we are a machine in and of itself, in and of ourselves. But we have a couple of things that a computer doesn't have. We have these. We have this incredible computer. And we have one of these. And when you use those components in treatment planning, uh, I've seen a lot of things on some of our other favorite sites about what do you tell a person, um, I'm X years old and what do I need this for? Or what do you tell a person who doesn't want this or that? You'll know what to tell them if you listen to them carefully. I agree. And there is, you know, if you came into my office missing tooth number 12, and you'd say, Alan, do something for me. That's easy. Doc, oh, let's, let's go do an implant. That's easy. Right. You know, our, our friend Paul Goodman would have a nervous breakdown if I said, let's do a three-unit bridge. But, uh, you know, he might. or uh, what's that? He just might. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we want to get rid of Paul Goodman, we'll just show him a batch of roundhouse bridges and, uh, you know, he'll be on Valium and Prozac the rest of his life. <laughs> but, you know, but for you, there would be one solution. But how about for the single mother who's up to her eyeballs in, in debt with three children going to college? Yeah. What do you do for that person? Well, you would know what to Might tell them. Maryland Bridge right there, you know? That's it right. Just all depends. And I agree you, with you. I think the way I boil that down, Alan, because I actually, I actually teach uh, case acceptance. And the way I tell dentists is... When you're treatment planning a patient and you're presenting treatment to a patient, what you're really doing is telling them a story, okay? You have to keep in mind that the ending has to be the ending that they want written. It is their story. Exactly. And if it's the story of King Arthur, we're just Merlin. We're going to show them where the sword and the stone is, but they have to pull it out. And without this story yeah. being them and a story about them with their happy ending that they want at the end of it, without them being the hero of the story, you're never going to sell dentistry because you're not even offering them the thing they want. You're offering them the That's thing right. they want them to want. That's right. It, how do you know what they want if you don't know who they are? Absolutely. And Absolutely. you know, when you talk about enjoying the ride, I think the joy for me, Doc, is spending time with these people, listening to them, and the look on their faces when they see me leaning into that conversation and really trying to hear what they're saying, reflecting back to them and asking them a whole lot of questions so that we can steer them or guide them into their preferred ending. There, there are people with crummy bone. There are people who are surgiphobic. Right. You're not gonna cure that overnight. You're not gonna say, get over it I'm putting a, a, a daggone implant in there. Right. You're going to have to work with that. That's who they are, period, end issue. Yep. The, the other thing there, Alan, is every time we see, I can't, I can't help it. I see my own teeth and I think, man, you really need to get some veneers. All that sleep apnea wore you down. I, I see somebody on the news and I think, man, they need 
braces. All we do is we see needs in ourselves and in other people. But that's because we're dentists. And one of the things that we really need to remember is that if a patient does not perceive a need, then they are not a buyer. That's right. So you or they're a buyer of something else or perhaps exactly. from someone else. Exactly. You know, I look they don't see the need or, and they don't see the value because they don't see the need and they never will see the value until they perceive the need. And yep. That's, you know, if, that's them. You can yeah. Help. If you, I, pardon me. I said you can help, but that's that's something yep. you have to come to a conclusion about themselves before you go trying to even educate them about solutions for the problem. You have to educate them about the problem, because if they don't, yeah, buy it, the solutions are meaningless. Um, something I've learned in forty years is that we treat three. Can't see the third finger there. There we go. Three very sensitive body parts. One is the mouth, two is the psyche, and three, the wallet. Absolutely. The wallet is an extremely sensitive body part, maybe more, more sensitive than the mouth. So yep. when a person coming in hears that from me, they all they realize that I am respecting every aspect of this treatment because no matter what, they're gonna have some financial skin in the game. And they are going to have to make a sacrifice in order for us to do our work. What's it to you? What's it to you, Mr. or Ms. Patient? Mm -hmm. No, what would you like? There's no sense putting in a $30,000 all on four if that leaves you no money in the bank to buy food to eat with. And if your priorities are not that, who the heck are we to tell them? If, I don't know if you're familiar with politics here in New Jersey, but if you take a look at our governor, Governor Murphy, take a look at his smile. Oh my God, ortho perio restorative. Clearly the governor has become a very successful man, like him or not, you know, he's a zillionaire from, from Goldman Sachs, um, and he's got some issues, some dental issues. Are they important enough to him to, no, to go and do? No. The sensitivity some people's mind, but it, yep. it, he doesn't perceive the need. Yeah, and it's, it's up to him. Dennis, look, being healthy is elective. You know, there are morbidly obese people. There are people who um, smoke drink excessively. Uh, there are people with gum disease. There are people with crummy teeth. Uh, there are people with sleep apnea who say, no, I don't care. We can try to teach them. We can try to connect with them, empathize, and maybe bring them along through a gradual process. But that you can't do that like that on some of those people. So listening, empathizing, loving these people and all the while in knowing that you are coming from a good place. And, and we have the secret of feeling good about what you do too, you know, and yeah. if you're treating your own psyche there, because if you're loving the people that you're with and you are helping them rather than just selling to them or just trying to fix their problems, you're helping them. You feel better about what you're doing, which means you feel better when you go home too. Yeah. Just know in your soul that you, you have always come from a good place. 
so that when that open margin comes in six months later, I don't know, maybe that only happens to how, me. How are they closed when you seat the darn things and they leave and they come back six months later, I, you know, some trick of the x-ray, the way it's, and all of a sudden it's open. Man, I have had that experience. It drives me bonkers. There, there, there are gremlins out there, Doc. I think they're wrong. There's gremlins out there. The same they're anti-dentites. What? It's the same ones that steal my socks in the dryer. That's right. The, the, the anti-dentites. That's it. But they're out there and they're out to get us. And all of a sudden we get defensive. We, we you know, patient says, oh, I'm, this tooth didn't bother me until you touched, or does that only happen to me? Right. You know, the, the, the little filling that blows up into a root canal or, um, or the crown that blows up into a root canal or the sudden onset of periodontal disease. Oh God. But these things happen. And if we know in our, the most fundamental thing is to know in our hearts that we've, we're coming from a good place, then we can deal with these things in a mature, helpful, nurturing and healing way. And nothing else matters. I went to a leadership conference a number of years ago. Um, and at the end of this conference, it was run by, if you have the opportunity, Doc, to meet Mary Osborne and Joan Unterschutz, who are my big sisters. They are the people who really helped form me into what I am today. But I came out of this leadership thing. And at the end of the conference, they had us all sit down for a half hour and summarize what we learned or what we're going to take home. And we learned all about leadership. We, I do this every year. Every July, I go out there with them. And at my first one a number of years ago, I came up with, let me continue to improve as a force for good wherever I go, no matter how excellent or flawed I may be. I have that in front of me in every room in my office, in the treatment rooms, in my reception area, in my, at my desk, right in front of my face. And I affirm that to myself every single day. So your dentistry is not perfect, get over it. I was talking to a very religious young uh, Muslim dentist uh, last year, and she was very down on herself for not being perfect. And I said to her, how dare you try to think you're gonna replicate God's work? Mm -hmm. You can't be God, you can be good. Take an O out, good, or add an O, good is good. So if you know that you're acting in your practice as a force for good, if you know that you're coming from a good place, and if you know that you have done in your conscience the right thing, and that's a lot of work, you gotta get out of selling mode and get into people mode and healing mode and listening mode and nurturing mode. But if you're coming from that place, you can be happy and you can enjoy the ride despite of all of life's and dentistry's imperfections. I love it. So we've got a few minutes left on this. I'd like you to give us the top three takeaways um, over your 40 years of practice that you have gotten to this point, you've maybe maybe put into the book, uh, the top three things that you think Dennis could do to simply be happier and more fulfilled. All right, number one, identify what makes you happy in life and translate that into your practice. Now, some dentists might not see dentistry as a passionate calling. They might see it as a job, that's okay. And work in that niche and go out and have a good time after five o'clock in the afternoon. 
but find your happiness. Happiness is what we must have. So whatever things you like, if you hate implants, don't do them. If I hate surgery, endo, and pedo, I don't do them. Do I make less money than the guy who does all those things in his office? Damn right I do. But I'm happy. I'm at peace. Yeah. I'm at peace in my practice. Number two, being good is not good enough. L lead your life. You're, you're, you're a leader, whether you, if you're an employee dentist or an owner dentist, if you're a public health uh, PPO, FFS, AACD, any alphabet soup, you are a leader. Love is an essential component of what you do. You must include that in your repertoire. So put your heart, not necessarily into the work, but that counts, but into the human beings. Remember you are treating human beings. They're dependent on you, they're vulnerable. They're gonna act funny because they're scared. Give them a little love back. Number three, you can't be the dentist for every person in your community. That ain't gonna happen. That's Texan talk. In, in New Jersey talk, I would throw in another word that we won't use here, but it begins with the letter F. That is not going my, to happen. My podcasts always have a little check mark that says explicit lyrics on them. Every single <laughs> so it, Hey, I'm from New Jersey, man. Please eat it up all you want yet. <laughs> I'm behaving myself. But you can't be all things to all people. People are going to leave your practice. People are going to say those four horrible words. I'll think about it. And they're going to tell you to buzz off. Next. That's why it's so important to live below your means. And that's number four, but live below your means. Don't compare. If Doc drives the old clunker and Mrs. Stern drives a POS car, Mrs. Stern, Fran is very happy in her, her Toyota and I'm happy in my Lexus, but that was a mistake. But that's a mistake that I've got and uh, you know, I'll, I'll drive that thing 20 years from now. God willing, I'll be here. Um, but live. Lesson, you very well could be driving it 20 years from now. That's yeah, but li live below your means and don't prove anything other than you are a force for good. Be a force for goodness. That's all you got to do. Well, guys, you heard it here. Top four takeaways from 40 years of practice. Uh, maybe a couple of epiphanies later and uh, yep. figuring out how to live a life that you're happy and really satisfied with. One more time, you can pick up Alan's book uh, on Amazon, I believe. Um, yep. I, I, I have a copy of it in here. I was supposed to be able to hold one up. Alan can't find his copy. I can't find my copy. So we've got this picture for you to take a look at. Enjoy the ride. Lessons for the quest to live a joyful Profitable Life in Dentistry by Alan Stern, DDS. Guys, go ahead and pick that up. Read it from cover to cover. And if you have any questions, Alan is a member of the Business of Dentistry. Just tag him in a post. I'm sure he would be overjoyed to help you on your way to becoming a more joyful, fulfilled human being. Alan, last word's yours, my friend. Um, the last words 
are deeply emotional. And I'll tell all of you this, that having been beaten down by myself and by others throughout my life, never, never could I have imagined that I could be in a position to be influential in this great profession. Your dreams can come true. Be the authentic you. Make your dreams happen. This is my dream come true. I want to welcome you to yours. Well, guys, Alan, thanks for joining us today. Folks, you've listened to the sound of my voice for pretty near an hour now. I, I have to apologize for that, but you can't get away from it if you want to hear the, hear the, uh, the podcast. Thank you guys for your support. Deer Dot Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Hey, folks, before I let you go, I just wanted to make sure I thank United Medical Credit for sponsoring this podcast and also the business of dentistry. Go check out their website at www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD to get a special deal. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.